0: in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Galatians, chapter 1. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney.
1: I think if you teach people about the grace of God, and you teach them properly and help them to understand this topic of grace, it won't cause them to go out and sin it up. Are you listening? It's not going to cause you to go out and sin it up. If people understand grace in the context in which they should understand grace, it's going to cause you to go out and love the Lord more. It's going to cause you to say, God, you know what? I need to serve you more. God, I need to give you my heart more. God, I need to give you my time more. God, I need to give you my thoughts more. God, I need to read the word more. God, I need to pray more. God, I need to get involved in church more. That's what grace will do for you. Grace will help you to understand what God requires of you it will not cause you to go out and sin. And when you do go out and sin, the Holy Spirit will come and convict you and you won't go out and sin again because you understand the grace of God. And that's why we can't compromise. And that's why we can't ever, ever, ever stop telling people of the grace of God because the grace of God is important. It's interesting because when preachers and teachers today, they're so worried about teaching grace, but Jesus wasn't. <laughs> Think about it. Jesus wasn't. I mean, Jesus wasn't afraid to have the father of the prodigal son to give his son a kiss instead of a lecture when he returned home. You remember that story, Luke 15? He wasn't afraid to give his son a, 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 a party instead of probation. Amen. Amen. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about, probation, but I won't ask you to raise your hand. <laughs> probation. Jesus wasn't afraid to show grace to the woman who was caught in the act of adultery. Don't you remember John chapter 8? Taking notes. That woman was caught in the act of adultery? Caught in the act of adultery? Caught. How do you get somebody in the act of adultery? Hmm. Things that make you go, Hmm. Yeah, they catch this woman in an act of adultery. They bring her to Jesus. They throw her at Jesus' feet. All the guys are around, and then they're all accusing her. And the Bible says Jesus leaned down, and he wrote something. We don't know what he wrote. I think he probably wrote the names of the guys who was probably sleeping with her, too. Okay. After a while, Jesus looks at the woman, and the woman looks at Jesus, and I think she looked at Jesus with those grace-filled eyes of his. And he said, woman, where are your accusers? And she said, I'm not here, Lord. And he says, I don't condemn you. And I, I can imagine Jesus took the woman by her hand. He lifted her up. He looked at her and he said, now go and sin no more. That's grace, my people. That's grace. Our God is a God of grace. Can you clap your hands? Our God is a, you ought to be happy about that. Our God is a God of grace. And I'll tell you something else about grace. I'll tell you something else about grace. Grace, listen, is much more, listen, write this down. Grace is much more demanding than the law. Did you ever think about that? Grace is much more demanding than the law. You see, the law says do this and live. The law says once a year, bring your sacrifice on the day of Yom Kippur, slaughter your lamb, take the blood, sprinkle it on the altar seven times, go away, your sins will be forgiven until next year. Come back next year, do the same thing, no problems. This is what the law says. The law says, do this and live. If you do this, you will live. You do this at this time, you will live. Grace says, that every bit of you is owned by the Lord. Grace says that God owns all of you all day, every day, Every action, God owns that action. And every day we are to present ourselves to God as Romans chapter 12. We are to present ourselves to God as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. That's grace and that's every day. Which, by the way makes it more demanding than the law. Grace is more demanding than the law. So we live under grace. We live in a life that we give our lives completely and wholly and totally to the Lord. Well, I am completely out of time and I haven't gotten to verse one. That happened, Ron, that happened three times today. What happened? I think it's your fault, Ron. Is the clock wrong? The clock's wrong. Change it back. It's 11 o'clock. Change it back. (laughs) No, don't change it. (laughs) Okay, listen, let me give you, let's move forward. Let me give you an outline that we are going to be working from for the next six chapters. So you'll see it again, but today, write it down. You got your pen? You got your pad? You got your Bible? All right, write this down. Here, here's an outline we're going to work from chapters one and two. Paul describes his experience in regards to the grace of God. Chapters 3 and 4, Paul describes his doctrine in regards to the grace of God. And then finally, chapters 5 and 6, Paul describes the application of the grace of God to our lives. Chapters 1 and 2, he describes his experience in regards to God's grace. Chapters 3 and 4 describes his doctrine in regards to God's grace. Chapters 5 and 6, he describes the application of the grace of God to our lives. We will be showing you that outline each and every time we are in this book. And we've titled again, I've made it easy, the sermon title, Grace-Filled Freedom. We'll be talking about that for the next several weeks. Okay, Galatians chapter, let me turn there myself, Galatians chapter 1, we're going to pick up in verse 1, see how much we can cover in 30 seconds, all right, Galatians chapter 1, we pick up in verse 1, if you're looking at it, say amen, Amen. all right, some of y'all ain't looking, Galatians chapter, wait till I tell you, (laughs) hallelujah, wait till I tell you, Galatians chapter 1, looking at verse 1, if you're there, say amen, amen, Thank you, Paul. Now stop right there. Give me your attention. (laughs) Who do you think wrote this letter? Do you know there are people who actually sit around in rooms discussing who wrote the letter to the churches of Galatia? And I'm like, why? It clearly tells us Paul, he opens up telling you who wrote it just in case you get confused or you don't feel like reading the whole letter. That's happened to me plenty of times. I've read letters and and it's so long and boring. I just don't, I don't even want to get to the Bible. I don't know who wrote it. Paul said, let me tell you early, just in case you you don't read the whole thing. Okay. (laughs) That's just my third service interjection. All right. Paul, look at it, Paul in verse one, an apostle, did you get this? Not from men, nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God, the father who raised him from the dead and all the brethren who are with me to the churches. Did you notice the plurality there to the churches of where Galatia? Grace to you and peace from God, the father and our Lord, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins. That he might, this is why, that he might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of God and father to whom be glory forever and ever. Let the church say, Amen. I marvel. Paul says, now look at verse six. We got to read this, but we're not going to get to it in no way in the world. We're going to get to this but you you got to see this. Paul says, I marvel. I'm shocked. I can't believe it. It's unbelievable that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and they want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, name Moroni. Amen. Preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you. Let him be what? Accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, just in case you missed it or you were asleep. If anyone preaches another gospel to you than what you have received, then let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? You need to underline that and answer that question in your own time. Do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. It is interesting. Are you listening? It's interesting because Paul always begins his epistles in one of two ways. To the Romans, to the Philippians, to Titus, to Philemon, he introduced himself as a servant or a prisoner of Jesus Christ. But to the Corinthians, the Ephesians, the Colossians, and to the Galatians, he introduced himself as an apostle. Why? Because those who embraced and welcomed his ministry, Paul called himself a servant. But to those who wanted to challenge his ministry and to challenge his authority, he was an apostle. And he wasn't an apostle by denomination. He wasn't an apostle through a theological institution. Paul says, I'm an apostle by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Now, listen, at the time of this writing, Paul was hot. And his blood was boiling because there were these men who were known as the Judaizers. You will not find this word Judaizers in the Bible, but we know who they are from church history. These Judaizers who were questioning Paul's ministry. Paul, Paul would go to a church and Paul would establish a church. And then these Judaizers would come behind Paul and they would say, listen, you don't have to listen to this guy. I mean, where did he get his credentials? What schools did he go to? You know, you don't have to listen to him. The interesting thing about the Judaizers is that they never planted a church. Interesting. The Judaizers never planted a church. They never started a small Bible study, and the small Bible study grew and grew and grew and grew before you know it, you had Calvary Chapel. They didn't do it that way. What Judaizers would do and what people will do today is that they will come into a church like this one that is already established and begin to have like a little cell group or begin to have like a little Bible study at a Bojangles coffee shop or wherever it might be. And they say, you know, well, you know, who is this Rodney guy? I mean, who is he? I mean, he's not much to look at. I mean, he's short, bald headed and kind of, you know, who is he? And before you know it, they begin to pervert the gospel. They would say that Paul's not like a real disciple, like Peter and James and John. They would say, you don't have to listen to him. And Paul says, well, I want you to know that I am an apostle and I am not an apostle of men. I don't represent or a denomination or an organization. He says, I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ. In other words, listen, saints, Men haven't been ordained, Paul would say, by, I haven't been ordained by men, that I have been ordained by the Lord. And you have to understand something, man does not ordain anything. You know, we think that men ordain you, men lay hands on you and ordain you as an apostle. No, they don't. Jesus said, I have chosen you. And I have called you and I have sent you. Just because some man or some church lay hands on you and tell you that you're an apostle and they give you a license doesn't mean that you're an apostle. Just because some man lay hands on you and tells you you that you're a reverend or that you're a minister doesn't make you a minister. If God hasn't called you, then you're not. So Paul says, I don't represent man. I'm not an apostle of men, and I'm not an apostle by the agency of men. I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ. And don't, don't don't misunderstand this. Paul wasn't caught up in titles. You know, the church today, people are caught up in titles. You know, you got an apostle this person, and bishop that person, and pastor this person, and reverend that person, and first lady People told me one time, my wife told me one time, some some lady called. She said, my wife told me, she said, some lady walked up to her and she said, oh, you must be the first lady. My wife said, no, sweetie, I'm the only lady. (laughs) 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 Amen. She said, huh, I'm the only lady, okay? (laughs) We don't have that. Now, India, let me tell you something about India. In India, you might be the first lady, the second lady, the third lady, the fourth lady, But in the U.S., I told my wife, she she was in both services. I told her, I said, sweetheart, let me tell you, you are the only lady. Never, don't ever have to think about that. You are the only lady. And people get so caught up in titles here and so caught up in who you are. Listen, if the Lord doesn't call you to the ministry, then you are not called. So what does this word apostle mean? Well, if you're taking notes, you, you write this down. This word apostle means one sent by a messenger or one who represents another one sent by a messenger or one who represents another. So Paul was an apostle of Jesus Christ. Again, as I told you, man can't ordain you to apostleship. Man can't ordain you to be a prophet. You know, I've heard of these schools. Has anybody else heard of this? They have schools of prophets. You can go to school and learn to be a prophet. Who came up with this? You can go to school and learn to be a prophet. Listen, you cannot go to school and learn to be a prophet. Most schools, listen, are not-for-profit schools. Sorry. I'm back. Whatever you want me to tell you. You can't go to school to be a prophet. You can't go to school to be an evangelist. Evangelists aren't ordained of men, they are ordained of God. You can't go to school to be a pastor, a teacher. All of these things come by the ordination of God. God is the one who ordains men to ministry, not man. And so Paul says, I am an apostle, not by men, not or for men or of men, but I'm an apostle by Jesus Christ and God, the father who raised Jesus from the dead. And so God sent him as an apostle. And Paul has some really rough years, you know, in my two short months in India, you know, I've often said to my wife, I said, you know, in two months of being in India, I visited a lot of churches and I have talked to a lot of people and I've met a lot of pastors and I've seen the condition of a lot of churches and the travel in India and the food in India and the smells in India and the smells in India and the smells in India. And, in India. and, and, and I can tell you, you know, I, I really don't know how Paul did it. In all of his years of ministry, I'm talking 20 or 30 years, I I don't know how Paul did it. I mean, Paul would go into a city and establish a church. And later on, he hears that that Calvary Chapel in Corinth had become famous for fornication and that they were getting drunk at the table of the Lord. And there was a young man in this church who was sleeping with his father's wife. And when they and when they had church, they would come together to see who could speak in tongues more. And they were swinging from the chandelier, and they were suing each other, and they were dividing as to who were they, who was their favorite preacher. I'm of Paul, I'm of Paulus, I'm of Cephas. I mean, the church was in a very bad state. And then Paul plants the church the churches in Galatia, and they were largely Christian churches. Pardon me, Gentile churches, Christian Gentile churches, and he checks on these churches and only to find out that, that, that men, get this, were lining up, get this, men were lining up to be circumcised even after he had just left and told them that circumcision wasn't necessary. Now, what kind of teaching can you teach to a bunch of grown men to cause them to want to line up to be circumcised? I don't know about you, but I don't want to go to that church. Say amen, fellas. I ain't trying to go to that church. But Paul hears this and he goes, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hold it, hold it, hold it. The gospel of grace is being compromised. And Houston, we have a problem. Well, then the church at Thessalonica. Here they were teaching about the second coming of the Lord. Paul had been teaching about the second coming of the Lord. He goes back to check on that church only to find that all the church members are standing out on a hill looking up, waiting for Jesus to come. And Paul goes up, he goes, what are you doing? Yeah, well, you said Jesus was coming. You said he was coming anytime. So we decided to sell all of our stuff and quit our jobs and stand on a hill and wait for him to come. And Paul goes, no, that's not what I meant. They all quit their jobs. Problems, problems in the churches. And then people tell me all the time, they say, oh, Pastor Rodney, oh, you know what? We just need to get back to the church of Acts. We just need to get back to the early church because the early church was the early church. They were a pure church. We need to get back to that church. And I tell them, you know, you don't even know what you're talking about. Because the early church, the truth is, the early church was messed up. Have you ever thought about that? We think, oh, the early church was so pure. It was so holy. The the early church, we have more instruction today than the early church did in their day. The early church was messed up. And the good news about it is that the early messed up church was Jesus' church. And Jesus knew it was his church. And he told Peter, upon this rock, I shall build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus knew the early church was the messed up church. And at the same time, he died for that church. He died for that church. Yeah, it was a messed up church, but it was his church. And because Paul, listen, continued in the ministry, and because Paul continued to put up with these messed up churches, when he saw a church moving from freedom to legalism, Paul got in their face. And I'm thankful for that because that's why we have Calvary Chapel Cary. I thank God for, for for Paul facing off with these people who would try to bring legalism in the church because that's why in the church today we can have freedom. Like I told you, I think I told you this service, that I asked the worship team to sing that song, Freedom Reigns in This Place, because freedom really does reign in this place. Do you agree with that? Clap your hands if you do. Freedom really does reign in this place. I'll tell you why freedom reigns in this place, because how many churches do you know where the pastor can get away with wearing flip-flops on Sunday morning? How many churches do you know? How many? Not many. I bet you don't. I only pay $2 for these too, by the way. Y'all know if I find a sale, I'm going to get it. Okay, I pay $2. But you know why? You know why I can wear these? Because freedom reigns here. Because it's not about what you wear. You know, people are not impressed with what you wear to church. That's what I love about this church. Don't y'all love that about this church? People, People don't care what you wear. I don't care what you wear to church. People say, oh, well, we're going to church on Sunday. What do we wear? Well, Pastor, I don't go to church on Sunday because I don't know what to wear. What do I wear to church? I tell them something. I tell them, cover that up. That's all we ask. (laughs) Amen. Somebody say hallelujah. (laughs) Amen. Just cover that up. Ain't nobody trying to see that? (laughs) Amen. But because of freedom, we can have drums, even if they are loud. Because of freedom, we can have a keyboard. Because of freedom, you know, we can have rap music. We've had rap music here on Sunday morning. We've had country music here on Sunday morning. We had Celtic music here on Sunday morning. We had the Katinas on Sunday morning because we're free. And we can have a get-together where the couples come together and they can dance. It's okay to dance as a Christian. Do you know that? You know, some folks think, oh, you can't be a Christian and dance. You know what I say about Christians and dancing. What I say, y'all. Thank you. Some can and some can't. That's what I say. And if you can't, then come anyway, make a fool of yourself, and God, God love you anyway. <laughs> but it's okay. Why? Because of freedom. We have the freedom for these things. And so Paul says, let's move forward to verse 3. <laughs> notice Paul says, we'll wrap it up right, right about around here. <laughs> you know, what does a preacher mean when he says in closing? Nothing, absolutely nothing. Paul says in, in verse three, grace to you and peace from God. Now listen, this is a very common Greek greeting. As a matter of fact, write this in your margins if you like. Grace and peace have been called the Siamese twins of the New Testament. As you read Paul's letters, you will always see grace and peace. And by the way, saints, you will always see it in that order. Why? Because that's the only order it works. Man, you can't have the peace of God until you experience the grace of God. Can you say amen? Amen. You can't have God's peace until you have God's grace. So you'll always see it in that order. Grace and peace. Paul says Grace to you and peace from God, the father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse four, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of God. Saints will stop right there. We didn't quite get to verse five, but that's OK. Next time we get together, we'll talk about verse four. We'll tell you about what he did, what Christ did. Who gave himself for our sins? What, he, what Christ did. I'll tell you why he did it, and I'll tell you who it was done for. We'll talk about that later.
0: You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time.